Thank you, Lord. Please be seated. Get a place to sit. In case you didn't come with a, a notebook or something, um, we have some notebooks outside. Can we? Uh, Dennis, you can ask Linda to distribute the notebooks to anybody who doesn't have one with a pants. In case you still want to do it on a tablet or something, you can just excuse it. But if you need a notebook, just let us furnish you with one. Hallelujah. Um, okay, maybe before we go on with our first lecture. We are going to watch a documentary very soon on one wonderful man of God who is of blessed memory. I don't think many of you will know him. That is one person that has really changed and transformed my life to pursue more in God. Now his name is Zacharias Tani Fomum. Zacharias Tani Fomum. Um, I was hungry for his books somewhere last year. And for a strange reason this year, someone was selling books and came to the church premises and not knowing he was selling his books. I think they are the only people in the whole Ghana who are selling his books. The whole of Ghana. Apparently, he had a branch of um, that ministry. His ministry is in Cameroon. He was the, the, the man of God God used very greatly in the revival that broke forth in Cameroon. You're going to view his documentary soon. But amongst all his books, I think I have a few of them. There are some outside. Practical spiritual warfare through prayer. You won't be the same after reading this book, especially after reading the chapter for prayerlessness. You will feel sorry for yourself. Um, praying with power. Another very powerful book. But you see, amongst all these books, there's one that is available now. I think we have about only 20 copies. You should be able to get this, this book. When you finish reading this book, you won't be okay. You won't be okay. The title is Personal Spiritual Revival. It's outside. It's just few copies available. I think it's either 12 or 15. So this one, I have no one here. The, the owner of the books brought them. So he has given his own price concerning the books. So try and get this book. You won't be the same. You know, I've come to realize something. That the history, the secret to the future is history. The secret to the future is history. Anybody that wants to progress in the future, whether in ministry or anything you find yourself in, but because of the context of our meeting, I'm talking of ministry. The secret is history find out what was done in the past and repeat it. It's that simple. So I realize that men who struggle are men who don't study history. I'm telling you, every pain you go through, someone has gone through. 
Every price you will pay, someone has paid it. Just go and find out. That's your secret. So the key to secret, the key to the success of ministry is history. If you are not a student of history, forget about making impact. This is by observation, by experience, and by knowledge. Every great man today who is making waves was a man who studied history. But anyway, just, that's just by the way. Now some of you wondering, why are we staying here for 12 hours? Guys, there are certain levels of dimensions we can't experience them until we tarry long. We are living in a fast track generation. We are in a hurry. Let's do this thing quick. Let's do it quick. Let's hurry up. So we don't give the Holy Ghost time to deal with us. We don't give him time. One of the things that changed people in the past was time with God. And it hasn't changed and it will never change. God will never lower his standard for any generation because of the pressure of that generation or because of how difficult it is to survive in your work with God in that generation. He won't lower that standard. It, it's not possible. He won't lower the standard. The standard is still the same. It's either you meet that standard or you won't be able to attain it. And the truth of the matter is that this generation is joking. Today I may offend a lot of you for the purpose of igniting us to be hungry. To be hungry for more from God. This generation is so relaxed. We are living in comfort. We are comfortable with eating three square meals a day and yet expecting a move. We are living in hypocrisy. We want to see a move, yet we make no move. It's not possible. Yesterday I was broken because I was reading one book. I'm going to distribute all the books for everybody who is here. This is, they are soft copy books. I was broken about what is going on in certain ministries in certain countries, especially in the communist countries like China, South Korea. And I realized that we have failed as a church in Africa, yet we are not seeing it. What young men and young women are involved in today in the universities? The level of immorality in the universities across Ghana. Trust me, we cannot do ministry, evangelism without power. And that power will never come except we pray. What is holding people bound today, I'm telling you, 
it's not just telling the person Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves you must be soaked in prayer and fasting and tarrying with God. Because when I ran the other time, there were men who didn't talk much. They just say one word and people couldn't sleep again. John Wesley never advertised any poster. He can go to a cemetery and stand on one of the graveyards and start preaching and people will come. And the whole cemetery will be filled with people. Yet with all our advertisement, there's no transformation. And we have to cry. We have to cry that we are not pursuing. We have to cry that we are not hungry. We have to cry at our relaxation in God. Many, many centuries ago, about 200 years ago, all the people God used, they, they were within the ages of 16 and 24. Most of the missionaries who packed their things from U.S. to come to Africa, they were between 16 and 24. What was telling them? Today, the average young man between the age of 20 and 25 doesn't have time for God. And you see, one of the things that is killing us today is excuses. My work is stressful. I'm doing masters. So you see, you can convince yourself with all these things. I am married. I have children. I close late. Weekend is very difficult. You see, your excuses may be very genuine, but I'm telling you, any excuse you have for not tarrying with God and for not spending time in prayer is inexcusable, no matter how genuine the excuses. And I'm going to tell you why in the first model of the lecture that no human being on earth was more busier than Jesus. He was a pastor, he was a prophet, he was a teacher, he was an apostle, he was an evangelist. He went for crusades. He did personal evangelisms. He did visitations. Yet, one thing that never lacked in his life was prayer. How did he do it? No human being on earth is more busier than Christ. Yet, he made time for him. So what is keeping you from praying? Hallelujah. God is calling this generation to dive deeper into God. I read of how A.A. Allen, I'm going to show you some of his videos, of some of the in, unimaginable miracles that God can use a man for. Unimaginable. I'll show you some today. This man was hungry for the power of God. Not for fame, but to change his generation. He locked himself up in a room and gave the key to his wife. 
that until I have an encounter with God, don't open this door. How can a man be so daring? He gave the key to his wife. Up to now, he can't count the number of days he spent there. But he was there. He was there. He was there. Then a bright light appeared in the room. And Jesus walked in the midst of the light. And Jesus showed him 14 things that he would do to walk in authentic power. That is how the ministry of A.A. Allen broke through. T.L. Osborne went for a meeting of William Branham. And he saw the tremendous glories that took place there. And he went home and he said, I want the same thing. He locked himself in his library and threw the key in a place where he can't find it himself. And stayed there for 40 days without food and without water. Hey! How? Wouldn't you think of your health? That's what happens when people are under holy desperation. You would do anything. You would do anything. When you are desperate for a move from God. After that 40 days, that was what birthed T.L. Osborne's ministry. The Bill Graham we are celebrating today went for an excursion with a group of students who had to go for practical sessions. It was a case study for a Bible school. And in the excursion, they went to visit the house of John Wesley. So they took them around to their rooms and they took them to his prayer closet. And they saw a small carpet that was lying there. And they saw two holes in the carpet. Which was the effect of his knees in the carpet. For constant prayer. It drew holes in the carpet. As the tour took them round, they finished and they all went to sit in the bus. And they were checking the number of people because they had to register everybody, make sure everybody was intact before they moved. And they realized there was a shortage of one person. So they had to go and look for the person. When they went, they saw this man called Billy Graham with his knees in the same two holes on the carpet, crying like a baby and saying, oh Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And he was sobbing. And we all know what this man did. Nobody has gathered crowds like Billy Graham. But the secret was his holy desperation. Are you desperate enough? Are you hungry enough? For me, I am hungry. I'm telling you. And I'm not taking any chance. When Azusa Street Revival began, the wave was so strong that it traveled to 500 million people. 500 million people across the world. William Seymour was praying five hours every single day for two years. Every day. And he will come to a town and do that same thing. When revival breaks, the Lord will send him to another place. He did it several times. And there was one town he went, he asked the Lord, what should I do? The Lord said, increase it to seven hours. He prayed for seven hours every day for one and a half years. Until the revival spread to 500 million people. 
Welch Revival. You can go and study that. Welch Revival. Which was started by Ivan Roberts. It happened when this man became desperate for a move of God. And his only prayer was, Lord, burn the church and save the world. That was his only prayer. Burn the church, save the world. Burn the church, save the world. That was his only prayer. Until the revival broke forth. Guys, we need the revival here in Ghana. We need it everywhere in our churches because our churches are cold. The average believer who knows he has a call of God upon his life acknowledges the call. But he's still relaxed. Comfortable. We can't have a move that way. We can't. We need a revival. John Fletcher will lecture in his Bible school on the fullness of the spirit and prayer. When he is done, then he tells the congregation, now this is theory. I'm going for practicals. Anyone that wants to pray should follow me. Then they follow him to his room and he will spend two hours with them and pray. That's what we are going to do today. Now, this is theory. We will lecture and pray. We will lecture and pray. We will pray and trust me, nobody here will live here the same. You didn't hear me. I said, nobody here will live here the same. We will stop playing church. Saying, this is my church. I, I have lost that desire of General Abbasia. I No, we can't have revival that way. We have to lose ourselves. Drop our titles. Because now people have big titles yet no glory. Genovaciaship, papership, yet no glory. If we don't throw these things away and cry to God, we'll be holding our titles in our clericals and souls will be perishing. People will be living anyhow. People will die of sicknesses we cannot be able to heal. And we'll be ashamed before the maker when we get to him. Today, we will pray. We'll pray. This is the introduction of this meeting. We are going to watch the documentary. From them, we are going to start the first model. This is a documentary that was done many years ago about Zacharias Tani Fomo. You have to listen to it carefully because maybe, maybe it may not be too clear, but try and listen to it. And see some of the prices this man had to pay. Like I said, the secret to the future is history. How a human being can pay this price. One of the things that broke me, he was giving 92.8% of every income to God. And do you know his desire? His desire was that before he died, he will, he will make it 99. Every royalty, every income, every seed that is given to him, 92.8% to God. 
Why won't God use a man like this? The kind of prayer meetings, the kind of his prayer life was abnormal. Is it ready? Let's play it. Okay, so please, those who are here, I think you have to, we have to turn the chair here so that you can be able to view with Hallelujah. Now, it's good to know that Jesus Christ never performed any miracle, never healed any sick, never preached any message until he fasted and prayed. Now, that should say a lot to us. He never performed a single miracle or preached a single message until he fasted and prayed. But unfortunately, many of us are trying to do God's work without God. And that is a challenge we have today. We are trying to do God's work without God. And we need to find out from Scripture, why is it that Jesus Christ, who is God, finding himself as a man, why did he have to pray? Because Jesus is God. He's the son of God and he's God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Yet Jesus Christ prayed. We need to understand that when God, as Jesus, found himself as a man, he did not bypass the process for spiritual growth. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't escape it. Because that is a message to man. It's a message to man. He didn't bypass the process for the spiritual laws for the spiritual life. He had to study the Bible like us. In fact, the Bible tells us that that was his custom. He had to fast. He had to pray. Which means that as long as you were a man, if you want to relate with God, you cannot do away without these things. That's what Jesus is communicating to us. Praise God. So prayer was the first thing Jesus did and it was the last thing he did. It was the first thing Jesus did and it was the last thing that Jesus did. Amazingly, at the age of 12, he was found at the temple. His parents were looking for him and they went to find him in the temple. He told his mother that he was about his father's business. Now you wonder what business is that? There were three main things that were done in the temple. The first was priestly duties, which is sacrificing animals. The second was teaching, which was done by the Pharisees. And the third was prayer. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible tells us Peter and James were going to the temple in the hour of prayer. So there are three things you do in the temple. Priestly duties, teaching, and then what? Prayer. So now, Jesus was not a priest because his priesthood ministry was not in that order. Jesus Christ was not a Pharisee, so he was not teaching. He was rather even asking questions, if you read the book of Luke chapter 2. So now, obviously, what was the obvious thing that Jesus Christ was doing in the temple as a child? Praying. That was the father's business. So now, we can conclude that praying is business. And that was the first thing Jesus did at the age of 12. 
Now, that's very striking. You wonder, you know, when we read the other Gospels, you find out that um, the heavens was opened and then the Spirit of God came upon Jesus Christ and then filled him. If you read the book of um, Luke chapter 3, you're going to see it put in a very different way. Luke chapter 3, the verse 25. Now watch that. Sorry. Luke chapter 3, the verse 21. Watch. The Bible says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was opened. So, the heavens being opened was on account of the praying of Jesus Christ. So, even before he was filled with the spirit, he was praying. That's serious. Hallelujah. So, we, I'm taking you through a journey of the prayer life of Jesus. So that you see how essential it is for a believer to pray. Praise God. Now, look at uh, Mark chapter 1, the verse 35. About what Jesus Christ did in the early mornings, despite his busy schedules. This man would travel, do crusades, yet this, this man was not sleeping. And remember, he was not functioning as the son of God on earth. He was functioning as the son of man. So he could feel, he could be hungry, he could be tired, just like you and I. Are you getting this thing? But look, the Bible says, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed in a solitary place and there prayed. Now, this is very important. What does it mean a great while before day? Let's investigate it. Now, according to Jewish custom, their day doesn't begin as our day begins. Their day begins at 4 a.m. So to the Jewish man, his day begins at what time? 4 a.m. So they go and start opening their shops and they start selling from 7 a.m. So now, obviously, a great while before day should be around 2. Let's assume Jesus traveled for a crusade. He went to do ministry. He prayed, healed the sick. You, you all know the energy it takes to do such things. He comes back, let's say, around 10 a.m. He sleeps. He wakes up at 2. To pray. What was supplying that energy? Guys, it wasn't like some angel came to blow air on Jesus' body. Today, as part of the models, I will teach you how Jesus arrived at this thing. A great while before they, this man prayed. Now look at another journey. Look at Luke chapter 5. The verse 16. Look, look at the prayer life of Jesus. The Bible says, so all these scriptures I'm giving to you should be taken serious. He says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. There is something about redrawing yourself. Today, you can redraw yourself from food. From entertainment, from social media, from friends, just like Jesus did. Now, every secret you see about his power is what we are, we are teaching today. So, 
He would do himself into the wilderness and he did what? Prayed. Not only that, look at Luke chapter 6, the verse 12. You are going to see another one. Before Jesus chose the 12 disciples, I thought Jesus is God. He has word of knowledge. He can just walk to them and say, hey, Peter, follow me. This, follow me. Look at what he had to do. He had many disciples that were following him. But he had to choose 12. Look what he did. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray and continued what? To choose 12 disciples, he continued all night. So, everybody doing all night today didn't learn it from Daniel. Not from Abraham. From who? Jesus. He did all night. If you want to do what Jesus did, you must do all night. No, it's simple. If Jesus is our example, do what he did, you will see what he saw. It's true, I'm telling you. If he is our example, do what you saw him do and you will see the same results. Jesus spent more time in prayer and less time with situation. Today, we spend less time in prayer and more time in dealing with situations. That is the opposite. Why? Because we are not exampling his example. Is someone getting this thing? So this is what Jesus had to do before he chose his disciples. He says, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Can you imagine that among the twelve, one was a what? So, all night prayer, he chose twelve out of the twelve. One was a deceiver. So what, what would have happened if he didn't pray? Praise God. Let's proceed. Luke chapter 9, the verse 18. All these accounts I'm giving to you are every account you find about the prayer life of Jesus. So you don't need to do that search again because I'm doing, making it easier for you. And it came to pass as he was alone praying. You know there are many Christians who can pray alone. They, are, they said they are gingered when they are praying with someone. It's good though. But listen, if you have not developed prayer life alone, it is not healthy to pray together. There are benefits of corporate prayer and there are special benefits of praying alone. There are some benefits you enjoy in praying alone that you will never enjoy when you are praying corporately. I'm telling you. There are some things God will share with you secretly. In a corporate prayer like this, you may not hear it. And it was one of the secrets of Jesus. He learned to pray alone. Alone. Hallelujah. Now look at the verse 28. Down to 31. He says, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. He took Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. So look, that means prayer was a predominant lifestyle in the life of Jesus. His life was dominated with prayer. 
So he took them to the mountain to pray. And look at the verse 21, uh, the, the verse 29. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was, was altered. It was changed. And his raiment was as wide and glistening. Now, why did this experience come? For Jesus to show off? No. This happened outwardly for him to show us what happens to us inwardly when we pray. Anytime a believer spends time to pray, let me show you what happens. Look. Anytime you pray, you are looking unto God. That's what you do. Look at the book of Psalm. I'm explaining this reality for you to understand it from the book of Psalm. Psalm 34. This is amazing. Alright, Psalm 34. The verse 5. Now watch. He says, and they looked to him and they were what is prayer? Looking to him. What happened to Jesus when Jesus began to pray? The fashion of his countenance was altered. God allowed us to see it outwardly for him to tell us what happens to us inwardly when we pray. We brighten inwardly when we pray. We glister inwardly when we pray. We, the glory on the inside begins to magnify anytime we pray. He says, and they look to him. That's how we pray. Because God is light, when we look to him, we radiate that light. So, he says they look to him and they were lighting and their faces were not ashamed. The key to escape shame is prayer. That means a man who does not pray will find himself ashamed in life. It's just a matter of time. They look to him and they were lightened. Guys, if you want to be lightened on the inside, pray. Spend time to pray. There is a certain illumination you receive when you spend time to pray. You won't get it anywhere. Listen, there is a certain education that you receive in your spirit that you can't get when you read the Bible. Let me repeat myself again. Prayer is the education of the spirit man. That's how you educate your, 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 yourself, by prayer. The more you pray, the more educated you become in your spirit. They looked to him and they were lightened. So that's how we light up our lives, by prayer. And their faces were not ashamed. I wanted to continue, but I can't do this without reading the verse 6. This is David talking. Look what David said in the verse 6. He said, the poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. Now, let's analyze this thing. Who is talking here, David? David said the poor man cried. How does a rich man call himself a poor man? David was not a poor man. When he came to prayer, he called himself a poor man. Guys, listen. Only poor men pray. Only poor men pray. And when I say poor men praying, I'm not talking about literal. He's using the understanding of poverty to explain prayer. Why? When a man is poor, he depends on people for survival. Are you following this thing? 
When a man is poor, he does what? He depends on others for survival. So David uses spiritual poverty to describe our dependence on God for everything. So anytime you go to God, you are actually telling God that you are bankrupt of yourself to help yourself. Therefore, you need him. That is how come a prayerless man, I'm going to come there, is a proud man. Do you know that prayer is a practice? In that same vein, prayerlessness is also a practice. When you pray, you are doing something. When you don't pray also, you are also doing something. Tell someone I will pray. Let's go back to our Look. Now, look at Luke chapter 11. Interesting. The verse 1. He says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place. Now, just the book of Luke alone. How many times have we seen Jesus praying? You want to do ministry without prayer? Forget about it. You want to live the Christian life without prayer? Forget about it. It's impossible. I'm telling you. You can never have a successful ministry. Whether you're a pastor, a prayer leader, a chorister, a song minister, an usher, you cannot do it effectively and successfully without prayer. That's what Jesus is telling us. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Listen. Why would the disciples come to ask him that Lord, teach us to pray? Because they always saw him pray. I can't come and tell you to teach me economics when I don't know uh, whether you know economics or not, right? For them to come and tell Jesus, teach us to pray, that means they saw him praying. That means prayer was the lifestyle of Jesus. I can teach prayer because I pray. And what I'm teaching is not just theory. I'm speaking from my heart. Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Because the man prayed. They always saw him pray. They will sleep and wake up. They see this man pray. Sometimes they wake up in the morning. They realize that Jesus was sleeping here. When he came, he's not there. Why is he gone? The wilderness. So now they say, Lord, teach us to pray. You cannot teach people on prayer when you don't pray. You can't impact what you don't have. I hope I'm helping somebody today. Look at Luke 18, the verse 1. The Bible says, And he speak a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. This is interesting. So the goal of this parable is to this end. 
that men always ought to pray. The word ought is they in Greek, which means necessity. I'm going to explain that word alone, necessity. It means five things. I'll explain soon. So, it is a necessity for men to pray if they want to survive. Just like it's a necessity for men to breathe if they want to survive. Men ought to always pray and not to faint. Surprisingly, the opposite of prayer is not prayerlessness. The opposite of prayer is fainting. So it's either you are praying or you are fainting. Men always ought to pray. Which means, if you're not praying, you're not a man. Do we have some men in the house? Yes, sir. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will pray. Come on, come on. I'll pray. Let's take the, the final two, then we pray. Luke chapter 22, the verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. The verse 32. But I've prayed for thee. That means Jesus was an intercessor. These things are telling us the secret of Jesus. I've prayed for you. That means our prayer for people can snatch them from demonic distraction. This is serious. After one long hour of prayer, that was about two weeks ago, I received a text message that I need to pray for the mother of one person I pray for. She was in a critical condition, which was death. According to her, the sister went through that same thing and died. The brother also went through that same thing and died. So they knew they were going to die. And she told me about it. At that time, I've prayed for long hours already. So I just knelt down. I said, Lord, save this one. Save this one. She will not die like the others. Save this one. In the name of Jesus, I snatch this one from the powers of darkness. Save this one. Guess what? In five hours later, the oxygen was taken from her. She was discharged. This is amazing. What your prayer can do, you have no idea. You have no idea. We have to pray. Look at the verse 40. This is one secret Jesus is telling us. Today, if you are burning as a young man, you have a burning... When I say burning, I'm not talking of fire. I'm talking of burning. I used to get in it or I should speak in tongues and interpret it. Let's read. He says, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. Listen, if you are constantly bombarded by temptations, that seems as though you can't resist it. Increase your prayer life. 
The secret to dealing with temptation is prayer. In fact, more prayer. Pray more. See, pray until you pray. Pray, pray. I'm going to be teaching about prayer ethics. One of the first ethics of prayer is that pray when you feel like praying. And pray more when you don't feel like praying. Pray. It will remove you and put you into another environment. Some desires will leave your heart when you begin to pray. I'm telling you. You'll be able to deal with certain temptations with ease. You can stand certain things with ease. You have a certain power to deal with certain things you could not deal with before when you begin to pray. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Surprisingly, Jesus said that twice in that same chapter. Look at chapter 46. He said the same thing again. Why will you repeat the same thing? Anytime Jesus places a double emphasis on a fact, he's telling you that you should take it serious. And he said unto them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. So the key to dealing with temptation is prayer. Now, look at the verse 41. After he told them to pray lest they enter into temptation. He says, and he was redrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down. And prayed. Jesus, what are you doing? It's like every minute you are praying. What's wrong with you? It reminds me of Joseph Babalola. It was said of him that when you are talking to him and he's watching you, he's praying his heart. And there are times you can be talking to him, he'll switch off as if you are not existing and you enter into prayer. need a praying spirit. See, you have to learn to feel bad that you have not prayed. And you have to learn to feel bad that you have not prayed enough. Never be satisfied with your prayer life. It is one of the things that has destroyed the prayer lives of many. I did some six hours today. Thank God. Hey! Yesterday, preparing for the prayer meeting, I prayed for the prayer meeting for six hours as I'm preparing for the prayer meeting. And when I woke up today, I woke up with anticipation to come and pray more. I was not satisfied. Mm -mm. Never get complacent with your closet. Always feel ashamed that you have not done much in prayer for God. The verse 42. Then he prayed and said, Father, if thou would be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Look at the verse 43. This is good. Even Jesus needed strength. How much more you? The Bible said, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, why? Is the Bible telling us more of the appearances? 
is telling us of these appearances so that we can be encouraged that sometimes we may not be seeing the angel but we can still draw strength from God and angels can strengthen us without us seeing them. After he prayed, when he was in agony, an angel came to strengthen him. That means we can receive strength in the place of prayer. We can. When you are in agony, pray. When things are tight, pray. When things are difficult, pray. When you are going through problems, pray. Many return from prayer when the problems increase. It is the most dangerous thing you can ever do. Please don't forget this thing. The more the agony, the more the prayer. The more the difficulty in life, the more the prayer. In fact, increase it. Increase it. It looks like the whole life has turned around on you. You to turn around on life by praying. If we are praying one hour, the life circumstances increase. Change it to two or three hours. Pray more. Because that's what Jesus did. Look at the verse 44. He's going to tell you what happened to Jesus. And this is what we must learn. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he was in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Hallelujah. Now watch this. Let's finish this model. What prayer was to Jesus? What prayer was to Jesus? I believe this will help you. Number one, prayer was to Jesus his immunity from temptation. Prayer was to Jesus his immunity from temptation. That means our immunity to temptation is prayer. That's how we deal with temptation. So what prayer was to Jesus is what prayer is to be for us also. Number two, prayer to Jesus was not first of all asking and receiving, but rather fellowship and communion. This is why many people are not enjoying their prayer life. Because they think prayer is first of all about asking. Asking is the last aspect of prayer. It's the last. Prayer to Jesus was not first of all asking and receiving, but fellowship and communion. And we need to understand that the strength of prayer is not in demanding from God our needs and wants. It is toddlers who remain in that place. Baby Christians are those who remain in that place. The strength of prayer is in communion and fellowship with God. We call that ministering to the Lord. That's what the apostles were doing in Acts 13. It was in ministering to the Lord that the Lord spoke to them. So the strength of prayer to Jesus was in communion and fellowship. That's what we do in prayer. Fellowship. It should be our primary goal in prayer. To fellowship with God. To enjoy God. In fact, prayer to God, to Jesus, was enjoying God. And that is what prayer is to be with us. Prayer is staying with God until you become like him. You stay with him. You talk to him. 
You fellowship with him. You adore him. Quickly, number three. Prayer to Jesus was to obtain guidance. Prayer to Jesus was to obtain guidance. How can God find himself as a man and need guide? But Jesus told us through his example that a man who needs guidance is a man that must stay with God. Before he chose any of his 12 disciples, he has to spend all night praying. So prayer was to Jesus, what? To obtain guidance. Quickly, number four. Prayer to Jesus was a matter of warfare. It was a matter of warfare. Jesus had to wrestle in agony to give himself as a sacrifice. He had to deal with the devil through warfare. So prayer to Jesus was a matter of warfare. So we need to understand that prayer is not just fellowship with God. Prayer is also dealing with principalities and powers. Unfortunately, warfare has been abused, misused, and misunderstood by many. So there are people who don't see the need for warfare. So there are some churches that say prayer is all about fellowship with God and lift up the hands and they're pocketing and they're like, it's like slurring tongues. Hey, there are troubles that come to you. It is travailing. You have to deal with powers of darkness. Because in as much as we are seeing all things being equal, there are demons in this world. Satan is operating to resist the people of God from advancing God's kingdom. And we need to understand that prayer is warfare. It's warfare. The devil will never allow you to fulfill your ministry. You start a church, you think the church will grow when you are eating. When there are spirits, there are principalities that hold people captive in localities. Hi! It's warfare. There are times as a pastor, I wake up and every Thursday is an all night for me. Personal all night. Every Thursday, what are you telling me? You pray. I've told this body. Every Thursday is an all night. And when I wake up, I deal with powers of darkness holding membership bound. There are some members, it is not your one-hour message that will change them. It's warfare that will change them. Because there are problems they are going through. John 3.16 can't help them. Are you following what I'm saying? These are technicalities we need to understand in ministry. There are people, no matter how you prepare the message, it will not touch them. The only thing that can touch them is your prayer. I'm telling you, I'm going to come to the preacher and his life of prayer very soon. Quickly, let's finish this thing. Number four or five. Is it four? Five. All right. Prayer to Jesus was a matter of intercession. So, when you go home, look at these things and practice them. Learn to take decisions after prayer. Don't take a decision and ask God to confirm it. That's what many of us have been doing. 
We will choose our church name and pray about it. We will choose our location and pray about it. We will choose our program and pray about it. This program I was praying last week. That's why it was late notice. I was praying last week and the Lord said, organize this thing. I was praying at dawn. I said, God said I should do it. So I didn't just rise up to do it. No. So you need prayer to obtain guidance. Prayer for warfare. And then what will you just say? As a matter of intercession. Jesus prayed for Peter. He says, I've prayed for you. When you have recovered, go and strengthen your brethren. We have to learn to intercede. Aye. Every believer who is serious about prayer must have a prayer diary. When you record prayer topics of intercession, if you don't have one now, trust me, you cannot be called a man of prayer. I have recorded nations, names of people in my prayer diary. I call them by name. You know, the reason why you're not seeing the effectiveness in your prayer is because you don't have a plan for prayer. So, when you start praying, there is no plan. So, anything that comes into your head, then you're trying to pray about this. So, you prayed about Auntie Mercy today. Her name is not in your diary. So, tomorrow you pray about Kwabna. So, you have forgotten about Mercy's issue. How ah, can it be solved? There are topics you have to keep praying on them until you see them change. You don't pray once and say that's all. No. That's how come you need a prayer diary. If you want to be serious about prayer, get a prayer diary. And record every prayer topic you're talking about. Hallelujah. Quickly, next one. Prayer to Jesus was a, mat was a matter of importunity. Prayer to Jesus was a matter of importunity. The word importunity means persistence. How, how come Jesus had to ask God three times to take this cup away from him? Why didn't he know that he had to drink that cup? Guys, Jesus is teaching us that we have to persist in prayer. There are some prayer topics you have to keep praying about them. George Muller prayed 50 years for the saving of his five brothers. 50 years. In the midst of the, the final one, God born again two months after he died. And it's the kind of discipline these people had there. When I read it, I say we are joking. How does a man pray about one thing for 50 years? What's wrong with you? 50 years. So prayer to Jesus was an importunity. We have to keep persisting. If we have not seen answers, pray. You are praying for church growth. You have not seen it. Pray until you see it. So people think prayer works like magic. You pray about it. It hasn't happened. That means it's not God's will. Hey! Keep praying. Keep praying about it. Keep praying about that one thing. Keep praying. If it's about your kid brother, your son, your daughter, your ministry, keep praying about it. Pray till you see a change. Pray until God shows you something about that particular thing. Pray. So to Jesus, prayer was an opportunity. He persisted in prayer. Next. Prayer to Jesus was a matter of watching. Watching. It was a matter of watching. Which means Jesus sacrificed many sleeps. 
for prayer. If you realize Matthew 26, the verse 40. Anytime you are praying, you are watching. He says, and he came unto the disciples and finding them asleep, and he said unto them, Could you not watch? Ah, he found them what? Asleep. And he said, Could you not? What did he mean by watching? Praying. So, watchers are praying men. So, is that how you are watching or you are sleeping? So, to Jesus, prayer was a matter of watching. He had to sacrifice many sleeps. And I'm sorry, men who love sleeping cannot be men of prayer. Building a prayer life will cost you something. It, it, would, it will cost you. It will cost you some nice sleeps. I prayed and studied the whole day, yet I woke up at 2 a.m. I have not slept since 2 a.m. It will cost you. Hi. Every Sunday by 12 a.m., I am awake. Traveling in prayer. I move her down to this auditorium to come and pray for the heart of the members. I could have slept. I could have slept. But if you want to change your generation, if you want to, if you want to influence your generation, if you want to impact the assignment God has given to you, you have to sacrifice a lot of sleeps. And I'm telling you, sleep is a character. Doctors tell you that they, you need eight hours sleep. Yet that same doctor doesn't sleep for eight hours. Have you thought of it? The doctor telling you to sleep for eight hours doesn't sleep for eight hours. You are sleeping. Are you listening to a doctor? You are sleeping for eight hours. <laughs> Trouble for you. You can't sleep for eight hours. What is wrong with you? You have to train this body. This body is a humble servant, but a terrible master. Whatever pattern you teach this body, it will follow it. I'm telling you. If you teach this body to sleep for 10 hours, the body will adjust itself to make sure it feels tired until you have met that 10 hours. That's how this body is. That's how when you begin fasting. It's so difficult. After one month, it becomes normal because the body is adjusting. You have to adjust the body according to the terms of the spirit. Adjust it. Force it to obey. Huh? Paul said, I bring my body under subjection so that after I've preached the gospel, I myself should not become a castaway. That means this body can make you disqualified in the matters of reward. So you subject it. My father wakes up 4 a.m. No matter how tired he is to pray. 4 a.m. He has done that over 30 years. How do these people do it? We, we, we keep giving excuses. Our parents were as busy as we were today. Today you are working. You said, you are tired. I'll tell you what makes you tired. The real thing that makes you tired is the food you have been eating at night. It's eating, eating, over eating makes you tired. 
So if you like food, you can't pray. I'm telling the truth. If you like food, you can't pray. If you eat late in the night, you can't pray. Because when you force the body to eat a certain capacity and quantity of food, now you begin to force every part of the body that deals with digestion. To, to, you know, have you tried putting more maize on, uh, is it that uh, cornmeal machine? You put more maize than it can take. You, you see what happens to it? It's not able to grind the thing. Well, that's what we do to our body. So now the brain is working. Every part of our body is working while we are sleeping. So when you wake up, you are still tired because every part of you was still working when you are sleeping. Just try eating light at night. Eat heavy in the day. Eat light at night. It's very easy. You don't struggle. You may not need an alarm clock. I don't use alarm. I am the alarm. Amen. So I'm going to come to the seven things killing your prayer life soon. Is somebody getting something here? Are you sure? Good. Next one. No, I think we have to go to the uh, verse 40 of Matthew 26. So prayer to, uh, to Jesus was a matter of watching. And he came on to and finding them sleep and Sunday, yeah, the 41. He says, Watch and pray. Watch and pray. So the believer must learn to watch. Next one. Prayer provided Jesus a mechanism for asking and receiving from the Father. So do you see where this thing is falling now? It provided Jesus a mechanism for him to ask and receive from the Father. So I'll tell you why a lot of believers make some requests to God. It looks like they don't get it. So now people think that okay, prayer doesn't work. So this thing, let me just stop. We don't get it. Listen, you can come to a place where you begin to ask God things, you get it instantly. When prayer has become more of a lifestyle to you, where fellowship with God is a normal thing to you. I tell people that if you pray only when you are in trouble, then you are in trouble. So many believers treat God like an ATM machine. They don't stay with him. They don't spend time with him. When they are in trouble, then they are coming to him, expecting God to work a miracle. It doesn't work that way. It must become a life. So prayer to Jesus was first fellowship before it became a mechanism for asking and receiving. So when Jesus asked, he didn't tarry. He tells someone, stretch forth your hands. Boom! Person is healed. Father, I thank you because you always hear me. Lazarus, come forth! Boom! This guy is out. How many of you wish that you can get answers like that? Right? Hallelujah. Next. Prayer to Jesus was a matter of supplication. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Prayer to Jesus was a matter of supplication. Now, what is supplication? Now, supplication is an earnest entreaty to God. It's a heartfelt entreaty. It's a plea. It's an earnest plea. A heartfelt plea to God. Look what Jesus did. You know, sometime, one time I read on Facebook, someone said that this prayer gymnastics people have been doing is useless. And he, he used one strong word. 
When people put their hands on their waist, he was describing it when you put your hands on your ears and you're like, poor Lord, poor. He said it is nonsense. And now when we pray, we pray, we fellowship with God and you know, you can just pocket and you're like, Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your goodness. We magnify your name and we give you all the glory and praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You are a good father. Thank you for choosing us before the foundations of the world. We thank you for the finished work of Christ Jesus. We bless your name and we... Look, look. Who in the days of his flesh, when he was a human being, he says when he had offered up prayers with supplication, with what? Strong crying and tears to him. See, you cannot pray and see your sweat become like blood if your prayer was not intense. They are different aspects of prayer. If you can pray loud, pray loud. There are times prayer involves being loud to voice out your heart. There are times you have to hold your waist. Sometimes you have to kneel down. Sometimes you have to walk. Sometimes you have to run. You are trotting in tongues. Hey! Prayer! You can never limit prayer. Sometimes it's so difficult to pray. We have to add instruments. Someone must play praises. Let me go. See, we have to do it. It's difficult to pray. We do everything possible to pray. It's difficult. What matters is that you are praying. The means through which we get it done. That one is not God's problem. But we have to pray. And sometimes prayer is intense. It's traveling. It involves weeping. That's a man share. If you are talking about new creation, we, we are new creation generous. <laughs> if you are talking about finished work, Ah, that's my daily bread now. <laughs> you travel? Polar. That's my polar. Polar. That's my yellow. Polar. Sometimes your tongues are finished. Find some Mercedes. Ah, Mitsubishi. <laughs> Wait, see, <laughs> pray. Butter, butter, fry, rice. Yeah. <laughs> you must be, must pray. That's all we are saying. Pray, pray, pray. Come on, pray. Praise God. We pray. There must be times the burdens must be so strong that we greet each other by Rakopanama, Rama. The moment you touch the guy, the Holy Ghost communicates some signal inside you that this guy is going through a problem. Pray for him. You touch him, Rabba Kappa, be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Then you just impart something into the guy. Pray. Pray. We have to pray. And we will pray. I'm teaching good here. Let's do this thing in two minutes. And... Hi, I feel the glory already. Hi.
Hey, number nine. Okay, number ten, right? Prayer to Jesus was what real men do. Prayer to Jesus was what real men do. He said, and he spoke this parable to this end that men always ought. So men always ought to pray. So real men pray. So prayer to Jesus was what real men do. If you are not praying, you are not a man. Praise God. Next, quickly, let's finish this thing. Prayer to Jesus was an example of God and him to man. Prayer to Jesus was an example of God and him to man. So the prayer life of Jesus was to communicate something to man. That Jesus spent time with God as a man. Telling us that our survival as men is spending time with God. So he prayed to set an example. To tell us that man's survival is prayer. He is God. He does not need to pray to God. Because God doesn't pray to God. But as a man. He was limited. And his only survival was dependent on God constantly through prayer. So he was showing us the way, the example. Hallelujah. Finally, prayer to Jesus was true power with God. So the key to true power to Jesus was staying with God. If you want to walk in genuine, authentic power, today, a lot of things is happening. Many young people are trying to fake power. We are faking power. Some can't stand it, so they have to go somewhere for people to touch their eyes for, with something so that they can see. Some are using Facebook to prophesy because the power is not there. The glory is not there. So you have to find something to fake the anointing. Guys, if you spend time in prayer, you walk in power. It's just a matter of time. You walk in power. You speak, things begin to happen. Rise up on your feet. To Jesus, prayer was the key to power with God. It was the key to power with God. We want to increase in power. We pray. We tarry with him in prayer. Come on, lift your voice and begin to pray somebody. Penakumanata Rabashi Temekumamanda Bakuba Ramakutonza Maka